I was moving really fast. And then I saw up ahead like a channel of open water. And I knew in general that Kimball Lake has an outlet and so that the east side is a lot thinner ice and maybe open ice. I had known that, but I think I just didn't know how fast I was going. And so I saw the open water and I turned. And I fell through the ice. Welcome to episode two of the Paddle and Portage podcast. I'm with Joe Fredericks. Matthew Baxley, that's a compelling opening that we just heard from Cook County resident Gwen, who's going to share more about some of her experiences ice skating near the Boundary Waters this winter. It was truly a early ice skating season like no other. And because of that, we found ourselves once again sharing stories of near death in the Boundary Waters and around the Boundary Waters and the impact that has on those that experience such a harrowing situation. And they weren't all stories that were scary. In fact, these are a couple of the isolated few. Most people had wonderful experiences ice skating this year, but there's this other element of what can happen, and that's what we're going to hear today on this episode. This was at the end of November, right as the ice skating season had gotten going. And I had gone out with my mom the day before, and it was beautiful. It was really windy, so the next day I was like, I want to go again. I'm just going to buzz up to Kimball. I had seen reports that it was really solid, six inches of ice, and I wasn't very busy at work. I thought, I'm just going to go up there. I just kind of wanted to go by myself. I really like going out in the woods by myself. I didn't want to have to coordinate schedules with anyone. It's a quick drive. I thought, I'll just go up, skate around a little bit, come back, and go sit in the hot tub at the Y. There wasn't anyone at the landing or on the lake, but I could see that people had been parked there. I could see ice skating tracks out on the lake. And so I brought out my little chair, and I put on my ice skates, and I was looking, and I could see that it was good six inches. So I started doing a long kind of lazy loop heading towards the west side of Kimball. Just taking my time and really enjoying it. I was moving fast. Like I, I love to ice skate. It was so exciting to be back on skates again and it wasn't as cold as it was the day before. So I was just, you know, it was just really nice. And I went around the west side and the south side was a little bumpy in that bay but then I kind of was out in like the middle but closer to the east side and I had stopped and you know you can lay down and look at the layers of ice to see kind of how deep it is and then I was moving really fast and then I saw up ahead like a channel of open water and I knew in general that Kimball Lake has an outlet and so that the east side is a lot thinner ice and maybe open ice. I had known that, but I think I just didn't know how fast I was going. And so I saw the open water and I turned 
and I fell through the ice. Immediately, I was like, no, no, this is not, this is not happening. You, this is, you did what you're not supposed to do. You, there's no one here. There is no one here. The only way that you are going to get out of this is by yourself. You know, my whole body is in the water. I'm kicking furiously immediately. And uh, my shoulders and arms are up on the ice. And then I just was sort of kind of trying to crawl with my elbows up onto the ice. But every time I put weight on it, it, cra- it crashed through. So I was kind of making a trail, probably. I was, I was going back in the direction that I had come from because I knew that it was solid ice over there. So I just kept like furiously swimming and had probably my, you know, shoulders and arms up out of the water, just kicking and trying to break and break and break in the ice. I remember thinking when I was in the water, like, I wish I could take my skates off. It sucks to swim with skates on. Uh, but freaking out. I remember like yelling, help. And then being like, what? This is just for theatrics. Like, what is the point? There's no, there's no one here. This isn't a movie, Gwen. This is your real life, and you are going to have to figure this out. And I remember turning onto my back once just to kind of, like, get a breath of air and, like, not rest exactly. I don't think I was in the water for very long. I don't know. It wasn't that long. Anyways, I, I managed to, I was breaking the ice, breaking the ice, swimming, and got to a spot where the ice held my weight. And I, you know, sort of hoisted my upper body up and then got my one leg up onto the side of the ice and then just basically, like, rolled out the way that you'd just awkwardly get out of any body of water. Um, And so that was good. Uh, It was still really terrifying because I was pretty far from the landing and I was... I had to skate back and I was sopping wet. I was wearing like a pretty heavy winter jacket, like the super old Columbia jacket that I wear when I go sledding, like not, not a sleek, lightweight thing. It was, it was holding a lot of water. Luckily I had like ski pants on that shed water. My skates were really obviously soaking wet. I I made a big arc away from the thin ice and skated back. I fell a few times because I just didn't have the balance or the ability to catch myself as I would you know you can catch a the edge of your skate on a patch of snow or something and usually you can correct but I had no ability to do that I mean I'm amazed that I could skate because it was very cold and I was very freaked out (laughs) like I was just very like tunnel vision uh I lost my mittens out there I have no idea where they were I never I didn't look back to see like how big was the open space I just made a beeline for the landing and that was so scary I mean it was all scary but that because I was like what if I if I fall in again I won't have the energy to do it again because I had lost my mittens I was wearing just those little thin finger gloves and they were just my hands were very cold and you know kind of the that thin fabric was freezing solid so usually there's 20 feet of a little bit more snow right by the shore and you can kind of like walk on your skates but I couldn't walk I couldn't do that tricky balance motion with my muscles being so 
tired and freaked out and cold. My, my legs getting really cold. I'd get up and I'd try to walk in the snow and I'd fall over and I'd like catch myself on my hands and my hands were so cold and I was like, am I going to like crawl the last like 20 feet to my chair, to my boots? And I don't remember what happened, but I got over there. I managed to get one of my skates off, which is crazy to me. Because getting skates on and off, as anyone knows who's tried to put them on children or yourselves, and it's cold, like, and there's buckles and snaps, and it's all, like, hard plastic, and this, it was all wet and frozen. So, I don't, I don't really know. But I got, I managed to get, like, one skate off and a boot on, because my boots were right there. And I was like, I'm just gonna, like, hobble to my car like this. And then I was like, I really hope that I left my keys in my car and not, like, in my jacket pocket. And I was right. They were in my car. My car started. This whole thing was probably 15 minutes of skating and 10 minutes falling in and getting out again. My car was still kind of warm from the drive up. (laughs) Like, not super warm, but um, I think maybe I got my jacket off, the big heavy jacket car, and I maybe took those like little liner gloves off and was just like holding my hands up because it was my hands that were really cold, my fingers that were really cold and, you know, starting to lose feeling. And I was, and then just still generally like freaking out. Can I, do I have to go to the emergency room? How do I, driving seems crazy. Then somebody pulled up. This car pulled up next to me and... I admit that I hesitated for just one second because I couldn't see in the car and I didn't recognize it. And I was like, I don't, my pride was sort of like, I don't want to talk to somebody I don't know. And so I just had this like second of hesitation and then the car backed up again. Like they had pulled in next to the parking spot next to me and then they started backing up again. And then I was like, okay, never mind. I will talk to anybody. Like, don't leave. But then a second car pulled up. And I recognized those people. My hands are now like sort of claws because they're so cold. I couldn't do the mechanisms to, the door mechanisms to close the door, roll up the window. And I, I opened the door. I was like, help. I fell in. Obviously things, things got better after that. sharing her story on the Paddle and Portage podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Rockwood Lodge and Outfitters, located halfway up the Gunflint Trail on Poplar Lake. Rockwood is a full-service Boundary Waters outfitter serving the Gunflint Trail entry points, now booking 2024 canoe trips and cabins. You can check them out online at rockwoodbwca.com also find them on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And support for Paddle and Portage comes from Ely Outfitting Company, located in downtown Ely. Their friendly and knowledgeable team shares expert Boundary Waters trip planning and routing advice. Ely Outfitting Company offers complete outfitting services, lightweight canoe rentals, and professionally guided tours. Now booking 2024 canoe trips. You can plan your Boundary Waters trip now at EliOutfittingCompany.com. 
successful Founderwater's canoe trip start with Ely Outfitting Company. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tuscarora Lodge and Canoe Outfitters located on Round Lake. Tuscarora is a full-service Boundarywaters outfitter serving Gunflint Trail entry points. Now booking 2024 canoe trips and cabins. Check them out online at tuscaroracanoe.com or find them on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Next, we're going to hear from another Cook County resident on the podcast sharing an experience from the Boundary Waters where they also fell through the ice this winter. The voices we'll hear are Brady Powers, Grand Marais resident who fell through the ice. We also hear from Charlie Helbling, a cabin owner on the Gunflint Trail, who was there to help Brady as the situation unfolded. came up with uh, two friends and drove up and uh, met uh, three others there. So there's six of us total. And uh, went across uh, West Bearskin. So there's a little parking area down there. So we parked there and uh, I took off faster than the rest. I was just kind of eager to go. They smell the roses more than I do. And uh, I just took off skating. There's been a lot of activity on that lake. This is on Daniels. And I ran into a couple down there who live on uh, West Bearskin. Uh, They were skating around this lake, and uh, we got to talking. I didn't know them. But they happened to know uh, one of the members of my group. And I said, yeah, they're, they're around the corner back there. They haven't quite got up to us yet. And uh, and he said, "Oh, you're going you're going to go into a rose." And I said, "Yeah, that's our plan to do this circle." And he said, "Yeah, we were thinking about it. Um, can we go with you?" And I said, "Sure." My wife and I were out. We left from the cabin, our place on West Bearskin, and we the day before we skated West Bearskin and Daniels. And so that next day, because we knew the ice was good, that's what we were going to go do. And so we got down to the end of Daniels where you portage into, you know, you can either go to Rove and watch that or to Rose. And then we kind of ran into Brady. And I, you know, I, I only knew Brady, my name because of my tax bills, you know, like we kind of introduced ourselves, but when we ran into Brady, Brady was kind of by him. He was by himself because that group that he was with was kind of far behind. Somebody had posted a video that they'd been skating on Rose. So even though that really wasn't our plan, we decided to go, you know. So I think it was kind of a, you know, I mean, in some ways we're kind of glad we did it. And some, you know, but that wasn't the, that really wasn't our plan to go to Rose. We're on Rose and we passed a group coming the other way. And uh, they had obviously just been on rolls and they said yeah there's a big pressure ridge over there but um no real problem getting over it but it's a big one i got there first again of course i'm pushing that day for some reason and uh, i got to the pressure ridge first and i start exploring along the edge of it as often do to see where is it a little thinner where is it easier to get across i didn't see any sign of 
uh, open water. I mean, we did then, we're going down rows, everything's fine. We got to that, there's this seam that's kind of running north-south, kind of in the middle of the big part of rows that goes, it looked like, you know, from from the south shore, it looked like it was going up toward Arrow. But anyway, this big long seam, some kind of seam, pressure ridge or something. And my, my Becky and I kind of just planned on sticking to the shore, to the south shore, and if, but it was a little heaved up, but we thought, well, you know, we'll just crawl over it or something. But in the meantime, we kind of, I kind of, you know, both of us kind of looked out, and Brady was skating kind of along that seam, maybe looking for a better place to go across. Here's the here's the thing where I, um, yeah, I sincerely, well, regret, I regret it that. I kept wandering along that pressure ridge looking. I've done this in other lakes without incident, but the other factor in this is I couldn't see clearly. There was a lot of frost. Uh, I don't recall if there was really much, maybe a little bit of frost, tiny bit of snow. I couldn't see the depth of the ice. And usually I'm really, really careful about that. I want to see 8, 10, 12 inches on these minor cracks when you can see the depth of that ice. And for some reason on that day, I disregarded that. And I kept going. Brady was pretty far out there. Like he was, it wasn't like he was near shore. He, I, you know, I almost would estimate that he was pretty close to being halfway out into the middle of rows. Very quickly, I heard some crinkling under my feet. I've heard that before because you get water that uh, comes on and refreezes and there's a lot of ice underneath it. And But I think I had a premonition of, I don't belong here. Like I'd been ignoring some of my usual practices Where's everybody else right next to me? How deep is that ice? I think that all came right at that moment. I went, oh, get out of here. And I started to, I'm not going to just stop. I made a, I'm going to make a slow turn and you know, just cruise out of here and go, good. That was, uh, I'm, I'm going to find out that it was good ice, but I'm really glad I got back across, not away from that crinkle sound, and almost immediately I, I heard, it felt like a push. It was very thin, and I just went through there. Then all of a sudden, Becky, my wife, she said, I think he went in, because all of a sudden he vanished. The, the body just reacted, so my head never went under. Um, probably scrambling like a cat or something. And uh, so I'm instantly getting, I, I'm righted to the right direction to go back where I came from, and I'm pushing through the broken ice. My thoughts, people have asked me, was it, were you fear, panic? I didn't feel it that way. How in the world did I, did I do this? Um, it was a, just a mix of regret. There had to be fear, obviously, and uh, but a whole lot of regret and 
self-anger. But Becky and I both said, well, we got to go. You know, it's like, what do you, you know, you just go, okay, we got to get out there. But then, obviously, you, we know the ice is kind of thin. And so we both started skating out there. And uh, I could tell it was very thin. I stopped and I said, Becky, it's pretty thin. Take, I had, the, I had our backpack. And I said, take the backpack and go back to shore and get a fire going. So I threw her the backpack. She started going back, and I, you know, I started skating out to Brave. And I knew, I knew it was thin. You could just tell, you know. And he'd gone in. So I start pulling, and each time, at first, you know, I'm just hitting the ice and breaking it, and then very quickly, um, I've got to dig in, pull myself out of the water, and then it breaks. I've got to dig in, pull up, and then it breaks. It's getting thicker. And I thought, this is this is too slow. I can't quite pull myself up because that it finally breaks, and then I fall on the ice. Uh, I tried to turn backwards. And I thought, I'll, I'll slide an arm up, get a hold of it with the pole, and see if I can just kind of slide myself on the ice. And I tried this twice, and both times when I did that, I could feel a slight current. It was pulling me slightly away from where I wanted to be. I quickly turn around and go back forward. And I tried that twice, and I went, no, there's some kind of a current here. It's probably what caused the uh, thin ice. Um, so I just kept going forward. And I don't have time to, to do anything but work. I'm just gonna work till I get to the edge of this. And it was about then that uh, Charlie showed up i'm getting to him and i'm you know you're gotta you go into this mode where you're you know just trying to calm him down and and see what's up and but you know you got to get him out but you, and then he was trying to as he would try to get to me the ice would the ice would break and he didn't have any picks so i had my picks and i threw him my picks and but then i was you know you're very cognizant of like okay this is not gonna this is not going to do anything if I go in. So I sort of got down, you know, I spread out my weight, laid down on the ice and just was hoaxing him to get to me so he could grab the hockey stick. I don't like skating without a hockey stick. So it's, it turned out to be very good that I had my hockey stick because that's the only thing I could have gotten him with. And I got closer and closer and then I could grab the end of a hockey stick and it's getting harder and I, I get my chest out of the water and I'm thinking, okay, now I can pull myself up into the brakes. Mm -hmm. So it continues to do that, but it gets harder each time. But in the meantime, I hear this scream and I turn around and, and I see Becky, but I think she screamed because when I got down to spread out my weight to get to Brady, she thought I fell in because all of a sudden I wasn't there. So she freaked out and screamed, and I turn around, but then I see her. But then all of a sudden, I realize she falls in. My wife, you know, she was close, and she's at least 100 yards away. She had gone in, and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, we got to get Brady out, but now Becky's gone in. Well, he's worried about his wife. I can, we can both hear her. 
And he's looking back and forth and thinking, I've got to go see what's happening with my wife. And that's when I said, uh, you know, one more. It was a very short moment because Beck, wherever where Becky went in, the ice must have been, it had to have been a little thicker because in a very short amount of time, as I'm kind of thinking, okay, I got to go see what's up with Becky. I see that she's gotten out. Like I can see her kind of scooting along the ice. So she'd gotten out. I couldn't quite, you couldn't pull me out because I could only get one arm on it at that time. The mittens are kind of half pulled off and freezing up and I couldn't get a good grip. So Brady is getting closer to me, but the ice keeps breaking and I'm, you know, I'm like, oh God, this water's coming up, the ice is thin. But then finally, you know, he did get to the damn hockey stick. He grabbed onto it and then I yanked him out. You know, pulled him, pulled him up onto the ice. We got, I got him up, but he was, you know, he was kind of a mess because he, I don't know what he said, but I, he'd been in the water, I'd say it could have been between five and 10 minutes. And then I got out, I couldn't, I tried to skate, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't feel my feet and I couldn't, I didn't have any control. So I fell two or three times and then he was back out there and he helped me get the skates, the blades off and then I could just shuffle back to shore. And, and then we just, I got him, I said, come on, we got it. We got to just keep moving. And then he's kind of was shuffling along. As I get closer to shore, I see Becky. I'm seeing if she's okay. But then she tells me that the backpack, which had the lighter, you know, we always have like a little fire kit in there, was she took it off because it was just over one shoulder. It was floating in the hold where she'd gone in. So I go, okay, you take Brady. You know, I'm gonna. I gotta get the backpack because we gotta get a fire going. So I went over to that other hole and fished out the backpack with the hockey stick. And then we got over to shore finally, and you know we're doing our best to get a little fire going. I'm feeling worse by the second. There's a. There's not a lot of wind, but there's a little bit of breeze, and I've been, I've been in freezing water for a while now, and now I'm in a little bit of breeze. She was trying to get a fire started, but it would be this little bit of frost, and really having a difficult time with that. There was nothing for tinder. You know. So we got onto shore, and I got all the wind. That was better. And then finally, the other group showed up. They had lots of dry clothes. They were very well prepared. So they quickly stripped me down, got me into you know, three, four layers of fleece, etc., on top and, and on the bottom, and had a fire going. I didn't really notice the fire. It was the fleece and the people sitting close. And uh, I started to recover fairly quickly then. I was very uh, un unhappy and un extremely uncomfortable. It wouldn't have been good to be out there alone like that, that distance, without help. That wouldn't have been a good scenario at all. I don't know that you'd warm up even, maybe. Walking that wet without dry clothes, I just doubt that that would have worked out.
these are the sort of darker side of having an incredible early ice skating season. The stories, the pictures, the tales of skating for days upon days upon days are abundant. And not just for those of us who live here, but once again, we saw folks come from far and wide to experience the ice. I have a write-up in this month's issue of Paddle and Portage magazine you can find online uh, describing what made this ice season special and also what made it uh, dangerous. It's all going to be in there along with amazing photos uh, from destinations like lakes, but also rivers that were skatable this year, which is very, very rare. And we'll even have some video clips for all of you to experience it right along with us here at Paddle and Portage. It's pretty cool that we have this platform for multimedia to experience this right there with you all. That's right. And the magazine, digital magazine, comes out on the 20th of February. So depending on when you're listening to this, maybe it's going to be coming out really soon or perhaps it's already out. And you can find it at paddleandportage.com. So as we follow up on the stories that we heard from Gwen and Brady and Charlie, want to learn a little bit more and share some of their experiences after this occurred. So after Brady fell into Rose Lake, after Gwen fell into Kimball, how did they do even that night? And they didn't do very well. I think it's safe to say, because they weren't seriously injured, but they had a lot of psychological things happening. Exactly. There's physical healing, and then there's the mental-emotional recovery process. Let's hear what it was like for them. And I didn't want anybody to know about this, that I knew at that moment. I was fine, and I just didn't... So... I just wanted normalcy, and I actually felt fine. And uh, I thought, boy, now I'm going to sleep. And uh, sleep didn't come. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I was having nightmares or anything. I, I think it was probably, and it didn't feel like hyperadrenaline, but there had to be something like that going on because I didn't sleep till 4. Uh, sleep takes a certain relaxation, and it wasn't coming. Um, I think uh, my 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 body, my uh, that that uh, let's say primitive part of your brain probably knew more than uh, than my intellectual part that thought I might go to sleep right away, and the primitive part took over, and it said uh, danger. <laughs> well, it definitely kept me up at night a few nights. It was definitely hard to fall asleep. Uh, because I would start to fall asleep, you know, get into that zone where your defenses are low and you don't have any input. You're trying to quiet your mind to fall asleep. And I would think about that. The picture in my mind of the, of the ice, the vantage point of the ice when you're in the water and the, and the breaking of the ice. And I think also I have an image of the open channel that I saw and turned around, but I was already too close to the thin ice. And so it broke through. So both of those images are very much like in my brain. 
Um, yeah. And then the things that make it pop up, like when I, if now that it's deep winter and if I go for a walk and my legs get cold, not uncomfortably cold, just, you know, your legs get cold when you're out for a walk sometimes. And I suddenly am thinking about the ice or if my hands. So the next day the bruises were showing up and I was sore and the um, but my hands and my fingertips were still very uncomfortable, just tender. Like I didn't want to touch anything and you have to touch stuff all the time in your life. Like the idea of typing was like, Oh, I just, I don't want to. The next day I was very, my shoulders and my arms were super sore from breaking through the ice and hoisting myself up. The inside of my leg was covered in bruises all the way up and down, especially around my knee, but all the way up and down where I had like hoisted it over the side of the ice that was firm and and rolled up i mean i'm it was kind of surprising to see the bruises like bloom the next day and for brady's physical injuries he did have some he really hurt his ribs his torso was hurting him for days in fact it was almost five days later that he went to the local hospital in grand marais and got some x-rays They were all negative, but his ribs were bruised up and his hands. I saw Brady just a couple days after he fell in through Rose and always greet Brady or usually with a handshake and reached out to give him a handshake. And he said, I can't do a fist bump. And it's because his his fingers, his hands just were really sore. They hurt still from the incident. And so he had some physical injuries as well. Uh, in addition to Gwen and the bruising that she shared with us. Serious situation for both of them, no question about it. And, of course, both Brady and Gwen, as any of us would be thinking about what they did wrong, what they would do differently next time, and really even the question of, will I get it back out there and and when and how. And here's a little bit of what they had to say about that. I mean, obviously don't go ice skating alone. And also just really make sure that you are, you understand the lakes that you're on. Now I knew that Kimball Lake had an outlet and that the ice is thinner on that end. And what's funny is like, if I think if I had been with another person, we would have said to each other, oh, hey, watch, like, let's stay on this side because that side's thin. And there's something about being account- more accountable when you're with someone else. But, um, and I knew that. And I just, like, I, you're just moving so fast on skates. But for for going to a lake that you don't know super well, uh, there's just a lot more variety in the wild ice than, it's wild. It's wild and there's, the undercurrents and the outlets and the inlets and the there's there's a lot to it that you can't see and I don't yeah it's not I don't don't go through it don't put yourself in that situation I love winter I look for I love cold I'm comfortable with the cold I love everything about it. I look forward to snow. It was a stressful December because there was no snow. Like I'm, I, this is my season. I grew up here. Uh, I love, I live here on purpose because I love the woods and the rural living and the four seasons. 
and the easy access to the boundary waters that's why i that's why i choose to live here so part of the reason i chose to go skating that day by myself a quick like just go up there is because historically the ice skating season has been very short you get like four or five days around thanksgiving and then it snows and it covers it and so i had this like urgency that i had to get out and do it and then of course i i did and and i fell through and i haven't gone back ice skating i have zero interest in going ice skating now yeah but i'll be doing it much different manner that the spikes i had ordered uh, came the next day and the other things that i will be ordering i haven't yet but uh if i went out tomorrow which i'm not um i'd wear the life jacket that i have even though it's too bulky and i'll have a rope and i will have a dry pack and uh so forth i'll have all the gear and i won't feel um, gee, nobody else is wearing this. Uh, I'm not going to have that feeling anymore. Like everybody's going without all oh, they have ice picks and that's all they have. I will not be doing that again. So I, what I would say is I did, I violated my own rules. I took risks that I don't normally do, but I also, I think I learned a little bit about some of these lakes. Not that I couldn't have told you intellectually or answered a multiple choice question and said, yes, it could. But I've internalized it a lot more, just how things can change and vary and how little, how we can't be as sure as we think we can. And when you're being the most careful, that's what you need to be all the time. Gwen and I talked quite a bit about about her perspective that in the modern world we're so removed from the threat of death, or at least our perception of it. And so we rarely have to think about it. But it's undeniable that for both Gwen and Brady, coming this close to the edge and then getting back into life really makes you think about what you have and what you want. Can you, um, can you imagine how my family would, it's so, I remember thinking in the water, like, they will be so fucking mad at me if I die out here. <laughs> uh, because of course, like I have, I have some really close people in my life as hopefully we all do. And they were, some of them were a little upset when I got out and, you know, found out that I hadn't told them or taken them with or, you know, no, most, everyone was just really grateful, of course. But the next day I went to work and I went to a PTA meeting, which is f fine. But I just remember being like, oh, you can almost die. You could die or you could go to the PTA meeting. Like these are the two options. You can die or you can make oatmeal for your kid. You can die or you can like show up for your coworkers. Like <laughs> that's what we're all dealing with all the time. I mean, relatively. Now, obviously I put myself in a very dangerous situation, but car crashes and you know, there's plenty of ways to die. At this point, I don't I'm pretty happy. My goal is I'm I'm succeeding right now with just 
living life out of the ice. I want to say a huge thank you to both Gwen and Brady for trusting us and to share these really sensitive and emotionally charged stories with us and not to speak for Brady and Gwen but in my conversation with Brady as I presented why I wanted to speak with them is that hopefully people hear these stories and learn from them and a way that when there's a traumatic situation that occurs in the Boundary Waters, what can we learn from this story? So not just to put the spotlight on Brady and Gwen, the incident itself, but what can we and people who are going to come skating next year if there's wild ice, what can we learn from these stories? And uh, I hope that uh, people are able to process that part of why Brady and Gwen shared their stories because that's what they are hoping you listening take away from these really powerful stories that we heard on the episode. Exactly. It takes a lot of courage to share when things go wrong. And like many of us, it's easy to, you know, beat yourself up. Uh, But it's even more powerful to claim it and learn and share and I'm real. I, I said this many times to, to Gwen, but Gwen saved her own life, even though she went through something that was an accident that she could be pretty upset about. She also drug herself out of that lake and skated herself back, and it's a lot to be proud of there. A lot to be proud of. And Joe Fredericks, there's a lot for you to be proud of right now. <laughs> Paddle and Portage, baby's off and running. We got digital magazine. First issue's out, and it is visually just stunning. And the stories to back it up are great. If you haven't checked it out, it is time to go check it out. Yeah, go to paddleandportage.com. You can become a member and then read the first issue of the magazine. It's there. It's ready right now. We've got a story from Adam Mella from Tumble Home Podcast. Uh, Greg Seitz has some journalism and news about a prescribed burn taking place on the Fernberg area near Ely and some other features about uh, the Boundary Waters. And to tie in a little bit more about today's episode and, and being prepared for when things go wrong, on a trip to the Boundary Waters. Matthew and I are going to be at Canucopia in Madison, Wisconsin, March 8th through the 10th this year in 2024. So coming up, like really soon, a month away, you know, again, depending when you're hearing this, but March 8th through the 10th. And Paddle and Portage will be there. We've got a booth at Canucopia, but we're presenting on Saturday afternoon about when things go wrong on a trip to the Boundary Waters, what to do. And we have some experiences of our own, personal experiences from last paddling season and the fishing opener that we'll be sharing uh, in our presentation at Canucopia. And we'll talk a little bit about Brady and Gwen as well and other experiences about when things go wrong, how to respond, essentially, 
talked with search and rescue extensively for our presentation. So if you're at Canucopia, come, of course, say hi at the booth uh, to us and check out our presentation on Saturday afternoon as well. It's going to fit exactly into the theme of what this episode was. In keeping with the fact that things continue to change, we will be in the main hall at our new booth location. Very excited to see all of you to catch up on all that life has brought in the last year, especially Paddle and Portage. For all of you listening, we deeply appreciate and continue to ask that you like the podcast, that you subscribe, that you share it with your friends. But now it's not just the podcast, it's Paddle and Portage subscription. So head on over to paddleandportage.com. Check out all the new material there. Sign up for a subscription so you can see all the visuals, the articles, and like in this episode, the full interviews with Gwen and Brady that will be up in the bonus material with Paddle and Portage. We do this for you. We can't do it without you. Keep sending your encouragement our way. All right, yes, and thanks so much. It's been a great rollout for Paddle and Portage. Canucopia is right on deck. We've got other things planned for the spring, and then we booked our fishing opener permit for May uh, just the other day in, in late January. We did that. No more horsing around on opener, Joe. <laughs> no more horsing around on opener. It's going to be the same crew again from our fishing opener last year where the canoe capsized. And, uh, yes, with same groups going back in, different entry point, but uh, we're going to give it another go. And Hopefully no ice this year. We could use an ice-free opener. That's what we're hoping for. Based on how it's going, it's probably going to be that way. Thanks again for supporting Paddle and Portage, and uh, we'll see you at Canucopia. Whoop, whoop. I just sing when I paddle canoe, feeling not thinking if the strokes are true. Out in the night the waves beat the shore You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar Rule me, rock me in my dreams You can roll me, rock me in my dreams So I like to sing, I love to dance I play the fool if I've got the chance All around Campfire light all around the campfire light all round, all round, all round the campfire light.